Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Advanced 360 Education is a data-focused digital marketing company with proven positive outcomes for educational institutions. To learn more, visit a360education.com or call Anthony Espinoza at 310-704-5369. That's Advanced 360 Education. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio, back with you on another episode here. As you know, as you know, because I've said in, I don't know, four or five of the past episodes, as you're listening to this, our book, and I'm writing this alongside with my colleagues, Kate Colbert and Elvin Freitas, our book, Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education, Seen Through the Eyes of 100-plus College and University Presidents, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. What is it that we're writing? Well, we're going to take 100 of our presidential interviews, and we're going to distill to what we are. We, we are doing that. Distilling down all those interviews around uh, very succinct, common themes and future insights about where higher education is headed. It's something you do not want to miss because the people that we're interviewing and the people we're talking to on our president series are those that are helping to define the future of higher ed. So you'll hear it directly from those in charge leading the way. And again, that's available for pre-order on Amazon and it's coming out in uh, soft copy on October 18. And this is a special episode, ladies and gents. It's, it's very rare that I get to combine the personal and the professional, but today we've done it. I've been chasing this uh, gentleman for a while, um, and I said, "You know, you got to come on." He says, "I don't know." He says, you're, "You're, you're not, you know." So, but then I got him. I got him, and I said, "You know, I'm an alum of the university that you represent uh, as president, and so that's why I get to to be the walking, talking, breathing testimonial today, ladies and gentlemen." Here he is. He is the president of SUNY Oneonta. His name is Dr. Alberto Cardelle. Alberto, how are you? I'm doing well, Joe. Thank you. And, and welcome to an alum, at least virtually. Well, thank you. I, You know, when I started this podcast, I said, I got to at least get the three presidents of the schools I graduated from. So you're number two. I got two down, right. one to go. Um, and I'm so honored that you're here because my time at SUNY Oneonta was amazing. It's an amazing it's an amazing campus. I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, the SUNY system is is incredible. But first, I want you to talk a little bit about you and your journey uh, to become president of SUNY Oneonta. Where'd you come from? Um, you know, how many years have you been in higher ed? And, and talk about why you took on the position at SUNY Oneonta. Um, sure. So um, I've been in the higher education now uh, for about uh, 24 years. Um, I started as a research associate down at the University of Miami, um, and I came to higher education after about a decade working in uh, international public health. Public health, health policy administration is my disciplinary background. Uh, and then from that, I went to as a, uh, I really stayed then after that at regional comprehensives and public regional comprehensives. First, uh, about 15 years at East Strasburg University in the, in the PASHE system in Pennsylvania five years in the Fitchburg 
uh, at Pittsburgh State University, which is in the Massachusetts state system, both very similar institutions to SUNY Oneonta. Um, and then this opportunity came across, came about, um, and I was uh, I was always been interested and had heard, had a lot of colleagues in the SUNY system and the strength and the power of the SUNY system, especially given all the pressures that um, higher education is facing. Um, and I'll tell you, um, the other one was the, the mission of the institution. Uh, a Thirteen co uh, very concise words that make the mission. Uh, that really foc focused on the importance of student learning and the student experience. Uh, and that really what was attracted me to the to, to apply for the position. Amazing. One of the things that people don't know about SUNY Oneonta is that it is kind of like in the hills a little bit. It's beautiful. I mean, you want to talk about a beautiful place in the fall um, yeah. with the leaves changing. Um, I grew up in Syracuse, New York. So Oneonta was... For me, I did one year at Cortland, and then I transferred to Oneonta, and I did three years, and, and, and I'm on a text thread um, to this day, actually yesterday, with uh, all of my roommates from college still uh, in our time at Oneonta, and we tell stories about oh. our experience and so on. Um, but, but talk to me about some of the challenges and successes um, that you are dealing with it in for at SUNY Oneonta? You know, I know enrollment's been a challenge for every institution. Um, how's it going at SUNY Oneonta? And, and where are you seeing good light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, so, well, this um, this past year, this our incoming class, we've seen uh, an uptick again in our enrollment. So uh, we're up uh, by about uh, almost 300 students from where we were last year. So that's, uh, that's a good trend. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yes, uh, last year had been a, uh, we had seen the institution saw a significant decline, um, and that was the year after COVID and the interruptions that happened um, here. So uh, our our staff, or especially our admissions staff, really got back on the road, got able to go out to where the areas are, our pipelines were, and were able to reestablish the strength. I mean, what's amazing about SUNY Oneonta really was that. This last year was the first decline it had in, in, in incoming students. In the fall of 2020, it had received one of the high, it, it had enrolled one of the highest um, number of uh, freshmen and transfer students in its history. Um, so this has been, um, uh, last year was an anomaly for the institution. And uh, hopefully we're now a little bit on a comeback. Without the doubt, you know, we'll never be back to the numbers that the institution used to have because the, the demographics can't change the demographics, but um, at the very least, the institutional reputation has been able to to withstand um, the, the current leap, blip. Having a background in public health probably helps you out a little bit during the COVID times, right? I mean, I mean I'm sure that wasn't, wasn't a downside to bringing you on board. Um, no, it was actually, no, it's one of the things that uh, I think helped. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I'd rather have been uh, an ex-practitioner and more in the higher ed administration at the time, but uh, you know, understanding you know how to maneuver public health campaigns, how to deal with uh, uh, you know emergencies was definitely helpful um, in over the last couple of years. What's uh, what's really uh, unique about this is you're literally a month away or so from your first uh, anniversary. Uh, SUNY Oneonta. How has the transition been for a new president coming in? You know, there, there are a number of new presidents that, that started right 
in the middle of COVID. Your start was kind of towards the tail end of COVID, but we were still having conversations. It was probably, God, how long has it been since the FAA dropped? You know, so I think people were still <laughs> using masks and stuff, but it was more towards the tail end. How was your transition into the university? Um, you know, what were, were, were you remote still, you know, where you weren't meeting staff and faculty at that point, or, or were you still in, were you in person and meeting people when you came on board? No, we were already in person. We were, I believe the numbers were about almost 75% of our courses were on, uh, were in person. Um, and most of the, uh, the staff and faculty were in person. So that helped. Um, it was not to the challenges that some of my colleagues had starting without having met some of their <laughs> staff for about a, for about six months. So, um, that was, um, um, an interesting approach. However, the challenges came in trying to understand, uh, that SUNY as a system was dealing with COVID a little bit different than we were in, in Massachusetts. Um, and therefore those were some of the challenges and then trying to understand. And clearly, you know, the, the institution had had a little bit of a, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder because of the having to close here in the fall of 2020. So, uh, you know, I had faculty coming up to me saying, oh, we were sure we were gonna close down again any minute. Um, and being able to manage it, you know, with data and manage it with uh, sound public health practices uh, really, really helped. But um, without a doubt, it was like uh, drinking from three fire hoses at the same time. Yikes! What what uh what's the p plan look like for you coming on board? Because you know it's always fascinating when a president steps into to a new role. Are you taking over a strategic plan that was laid out years in front of you? Do you need to reimagine this strategic plan? Are you starting one from scratch? You know, talk about that a little bit and where you're taking over from uh, in terms of that leadership. Well, that's a great question because that we've spent a lot of time in that. So my uh, the previous strategic plan sunsetted in 2020, um, and my predecessor was in a in a process of establishing. A, a complex uh, planning uh, structure. Um, but of course, with COVID and the, the transitions um, that fell by the wayside. So when I arrived, we didn't have a strategic plan. However, the institution wasn't ready for uh, taking the time at that moment for a strategic plan. There was, uh, you know, initiative fatigue and, uh, and anxiety. So what we decided to do was create a We had a series of about um, 20 campus dialogues on various topics. And as a result of that, we've come up with uh, a, an 18-month agenda where we call it regaining momentum, regaining momentum agenda. And the idea is to put us in a space so that about 18 to 24 months from now, we can jump into a full-fledged strategic plan. So it's like a transition plan or at least a, a prep plan, so to speak, or a level set? It's a, it is a prep plan, um, really, and it's not even less of a plan. What we took is, all right, what were the things that we already had said that we were going to do? What are the opportunities that are still available? And, and which of these opportunities are we going to jump on to set up, set us up well to both regain the momentum of the institution and for our next strategic plan? I think that's really smart, right? Because when you come in and you're new, you've got a, there's some assessment period and what is working, what is not working. I can't, you can't execute create or execute on a strategic plan if you don't know the business. So this gives you time to really understand the business and its workings before you lay out a multi-year strategic plan. Um, and as you communicate this with the board of trustees, does this make sense for the board of trustees too? And they say, yes, we understand this, we get it. Let's see how things are gonna be moving because that relationship between you and, and the board is an important one. 
Um, yes, I mean they, uh, the office of the chancellor um, has, is aware of, of our, uh, you know, what we've done here. Um, our college council, which is what oversees um, the, the the local campus, um, mm -hmm. was part of the discussions. And um, really, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head you, when you you didn't say it quite this way, but you know this thing of that. I never say anything right, Belcher. Ne never. Uh, so it's almost. It's always an almost. You know. Uh, well, the, you know this idea of that. Uh, culture eats strategy uh, any day, you know, for breakfast every day. So yeah. uh, it's that's the importance of understanding the culture of the institution and understanding uh, what makes people tick here, what inspires folks here, uh, what is it, what are their local hopes and dreams of both the faculty, staff, and most important, the students. And without understanding that, it it takes a while to get a sense of that. I read an article. I was doing a little bit of research on you, and there was an article that says you were the perfect pick for president. Three P's, perfect pick for president at SUNY Onyanta. You're a first-gen student. Um, you um, have a world global view um, it, it, from your time in the health sector, working with the World Health Organization and others. And um, that that perspective of being a first-gen student, plus the sort of global uh, view um, of what's happening globally and how that applies uh, to your community, is an important context because we're trying to create global learners that we're more connected uh, than ever. And oh, by the way, there are disadvantaged populations, first-gen students that need an entry point, they need more support. And that being a first-gen student, I would imagine, and you're gonna correct me if I'm wrong, does give you some additional perspective on how to onboard more first-gen students. What do you say to that? Is that, am I saying something right? Almost right. Almost right. Almost right. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I guess I'm a, a first generation uh, uh, college student in the United States. So right. my parent, my, my grandfather was, you know, a lawyer and my mom did have uh, college, but not just here. They, you know, they were from Cuba. So, you know, to a certain extent, technically I wasn't a first gen, but the reality is that, you know, I had very little guidance about what college was like in the U.S. Um, and that actually has been one of the, because I probably, not probably, I know I did a lot, made a lot of mistakes in uh, my guidance of what, where to go to college, what majors to pick, you know, how to do all of that. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I provided opportunities for other other students that wouldn't, they would have better guidance. Um, and I think that that's what we've committed to here. Uh, we have our highest percentage of our uh, incoming class this year, 41% will be in first generation students. So that's, a, uh, that's really gonna be a focus for us. And that includes Thing. We've created an honor society for just first-generation students, faculty, and staff. We've uh, created a whole set of support systems uh, for those first-gen students, including a day where we celebrate first-gen students and the faculty and staff, so that students understand that you know, you know, there's no shame in being first-gen. There are many of us here on this campus who have that experience um, and have, uh, and are here to to help. So uh, yes, I think it's. You know, I think there's a certain cultural capital that comes with uh, higher education. We speak a very specific language. We have certain you know, ways of, of doing things and being able to break that down for our first gen students is critical. You created in the past, you've created first year experience courses. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to me about that a little bit, because that's, you know, statistically, we know in many universities that that first to second year freshman and sophomore years where you see the, the biggest term-to-term uh, -term retention, uh, persistence problems, right? Because people either feel they don't belong, maybe they had some trouble 
people transitioning. And you wonder now, we were having this conversation today with my staff um, here talking about how, you know, students who are experiencing college now for the first time were disrupted in their two years, the last two years of a high school. So all of a sudden you get plopped into this new environment. And so that first to second year is a really tough transition where you can have a lot of fallout. So those first year experience courses or entry courses or preparatory courses are really important and you have experience uh, designing some of those. What, what result did you see, have you seen from your time, you know, uh, developing courses like that? Well, when we did the, uh, the pilots on those first, gen those first, um, first year seminars, um, and, uh, or that we, that I, we created back in Massachusetts and we're just starting one here, but it, we're, uh, it'll, we're one year away from them. Uh, we saw in the, in the, you know, when we tested them, um, uh, as, you know, we saw a 10% increase in the, uh, in retention, uh, with that, with those groups. Um, because as you mentioned, the idea behind that is that you're creating that sense of belonging. And if you're able to, to extend that first year experience, which is what we're doing here to trying to get students in similar, in the same sections so that they keep building that, that network. Um, it, it, that is a, a key component of success. And I don't know if you've seen that, read that book, um, the, uh, relationship rich education. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that notion that, uh, the more, uh, relationships that college students can establish, the more likely they are to, um, engage and then persist. Um, so I, you know, and I think the recent studies have come out on social mobility also, um, highlight, uh, this importance of those connections and, and friendships and networks. So that first year experience is technical in the sense that you're trying to give them some skills to navigate. But of, of the most important thing is identifying with a cadre of folks that are in your same are in the same boat that will form that peer support group into your four years or five years. Right, because if you like your your friends and you like your community, you'll be more likely to stay in school. So it's about connecting, connecting students with the resources available to them. One of the connections that that, that I made uh, that I had to SUNY Oneonta and during my time was the diversity student. Um, you're coming from Syracuse and coming down to Oneonta and coming down, right? Because Syracuse is upstate. Oneonta is kind of like mid. I guess that's still considered upstate um, because anybody from New York City considers anything out of New York City as upstate. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, it, for me, it was, um, I was one of those students that wanted to be fairly close to home. I went two hours away uh, from home and the SUNY schools, uh, really worldwide, I would say have a great reputation for being one of the, if not the strongest state system, uh, of colleges. Right. So, yeah. you know, when you're in New York and, uh, and you, somebody says, where are you going to go? SUNY is an absolute option. But talk about your diversity to student. Where are you pulling students from? Are you pulling outside of New York State? Do you get a lot of international students? What's the diversity of student like? Um, so um, the incoming class is a little bit above a third, a little bit of 30% uh, diverse or self-identified as diverse. Um, we're pulling, um, our diversity um, is coming either from uh, the city of New York, um, a little bit of the, in the northern part of Long Island, um, and then the big growth for us has been in the Albany region. Uh, really? For, yeah, for, for diverse students of diverse background. Um, so we're drawing a lot more Hudson Valley and Albany than we did before. Still, our, our major draw is the city in Long Island. Um, well, for anybody in New York, <laughs> that has to be uh, the, the major draw. But um, 
in terms of diversity, you know, we're seeing a lot more uh, folks coming from uh, that area. We're trying to do inroads into Utica uh, because Utica has a very large, uh, large growing uh, migrant population as a, as a migrant resettlement city um, in working there with the local community college, trying to create those pipelines. But, um, but we the are- The casino up there has helped bring a lot of businesses into the area too, over the years. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they have a brand new hospital that is mm-hmm. built right from scratch. Advanced 360 Education is a data-focused digital marketing company with proven positive outcomes for educational institutions. Advanced 360 Education does not simply rely on instinct to make assumptions about audiences or key data points. Rather, through data intelligence, client strategies take on a higher level of effectiveness. To learn more, visit a360education.com or call Anthony Espinoza at 310-704-5369. That's 310-704-5369. That's Anthony Espinoza at Advanced 360 Education. So um, the, the, the ex- let's talk about um, a little bit about exp- buildings, physical space, right? Because you have more, I'm assuming you're offering some uh, classes online and this could be, or you're all on ground mostly. Uh, uh, but one of the things that has happened with COVID is that people are wondering what to do with space. Do they have all the space they need? Do they need more space? How do we repurpose space? And this keeps coming up. Talk about some of the challenges that you have, or, or if you don't have any, when it comes to space or reimagining space. No, we, we do have we do have challenges. I mean, it, uh, luckily, uh, the, the the college here has had a great experience. It has this great has had a history of folks that are you know the associate vice presidents for facilities who have been real uh, visionaries. So we have a very low compared to other other campuses, very low deferred maintenance. So our facilities are in good shape. However, what we challenge is we don't have the right classrooms. So we still what do you have mean? a lot of, uh, what's that? So what do you mean by that? That's, a, that's interesting. We have a lot of our square footage that's instructional space is in big classrooms. Um, and, you know, we don't, uh, we no longer need, you know, 300, 200 uh, seat uh, classrooms. What we need are uh, smaller classrooms where there's more active learning uh, you can change the, the setup of the classroom so there's more discussion and interaction. Um, so uh, our next facilities master plan, which we are about to finish, um, in, in encompasses a couple of things. In addition uh, to a building uh, to add more classroom uh, of those smaller scale and then uh, transitioning some of those big space court, uh, spaces, which are, which are going to take a bit because they're, you know, they're theater style classrooms. Uh, into potentially more lab space um, for our growing health sciences and uh, uh, program, as well as some of our arts programs. One of the things that uh, I loved about Oneonta in my time there, by the way, if you couldn't tell, I did attend uh, SUNY Oneonta, if, yeah, if I haven't said that enough. Um, but but one of the, I loved it, and, and there was a huge community impact uh, that the college had on the local, uh, the local community. There people um, and alumni stayed in Oneonta. They opened businesses, they worked, and so there's a huge impact that, that SUNY Oneonta has on the Oneonta, the city of Oneonta and local communities. Can you talk about that impact and what you see in terms of dollars and cents going into the local community and, and what impact the students staying in the areas? Um, well, I mean, a couple of things there. I mean, the one hand, yes, I mean, there's a history of that. 
Um, uh, without a doubt, uh, over the last uh, five years, that dec has declined a bit. So one of the areas that you know we know that um, as the city goes or as the local region goes, so does the college, right? So we want to, as you said, we want not only the, the, the surrounding areas to look nice because students want to come here. And as you, you know, as you experience yourself, there's a historical connection between the city and the college and the college students. I've been at other campuses where college, the students don't want to go into the city. And at other words, where the city doesn't want the college students to come there. So here is a much more of a, of a, a symbiotic relationship than I've experienced. But one of the things that we need to be more strategic in our work, right? So we have a campus here with almost uh, 1,200 employees. We have a lot of human capital. You know, how is it? How is it that we can use that capital to help the region grow economically, culturally, and and just overall community development? So we've uh, created um, we've created an uh, a um, we're calling it the Regional Innovation Council, where we've brought together all the other anchor institutions. Um, to start develop, uh, developing a plan of collaborative projects where we can work together, um, where maybe none of us can do this individually, but if we can work together, we can make some changes around things such as, you know, housing, workforce development, um, you know, making the, making the region more of a cult, arts and cultural center. I love that. You know, that's 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 great because that community and the community partnership is important. And since you brought it up with other institutions, you know, one of the things that uh, someone said to me recently, another president that I was talking to said, uh, we we're talking about competition. We we're talking about uh, the way education is moving these days. And she said, you know, my competition isn't the other schools in my area. It's convincing students that they should go to college. And there's so much there, right? Because I, and I've talked about this on po other podcasts. So if you heard this from me, soapboxing before I already apologize, but you know, there's a, a big question, is college worth it? Um, is there true value in a college degree anymore? And who is telling people who's going home? You know, it's one thing to say it on a webinar or, um, you know, you want to be a thought leader and you say this to other people in higher ed. It's another thing to go home and tell your kids not to go to college. It's like, who is actually going home and telling their kids? No, don't go get a college education, you know, and are we saying this to, to folks that are already coming from disadvantaged communities who you know, right. further creates a wealth gap? Are we saying that, you know, is this a rich white family that's uh, seen their generational wealth grow over years? I don't think the dad's coming home to tell his son not to go to Harvard. I mean, are you, who, who is being, so there's just so much and I get my bacon starts getting cooked, if you will, when people say college doesn't have value. Everything I have, I personally, is a, is a walking, talking, breathing, uh, at least in my own eyes, pretty successful person, came from my ability to attend college. And I hated school. My parents forced me to go to college, and I thank them for it every single day now. Um, but what is this argument, and why does it keep happening, Alberto? What are your thoughts on the value of college? Um, well, I mean, uh, it, it, it'd be hard for me to say that it wouldn't be valuable, right? I mean, all the, all the data shows that it is valuable. I mean, in, I'll, I'll hire in just just the fact that you have longer life expectancies yep. uh, as, as you have more of an education. And that has multiple factors of why that is. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that's a multiple. I mean, clearly, there has been a, you know, a political narrative out there uh, going on around public higher education, the elitism of higher education that has built in. There is the, the, the real things, uh, the real fact of that students and families face around the student debt issue that adds to it. 
Um, and finally, I would say that sometimes we ourselves haven't been all that great, right? Yeah. That we're very good at sitting up here in, in our in our hills. And as you know, we sit up here on a hill here in uh, at SUNY Oneonta um, and not make ourselves accessible to the community so that the rest of the community knows uh, that, you know, no, we're all welcome here. And actually, the whole community can gain uh, from uh, what happens here on campus. But I agree with you. You know, we 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 sit right across the street from Parkwood College, um, and um, uh, historically, there's apparently always been some you know some rivalry. Um, and I understand the the athletics rivalry. That's, yeah. that's cool. But uh, but between the you know us, I've always said the more we have our uh, colleges in the ecosystem of higher education, the better it is. Because at the end of the day, we can all make the arguments that we. We are uh, much. We are. We provide social mobility. We are uh, an engine of economic growth, um, and we provide uh, students and their families an ability to, uh, you know, to gain access to critical thinking skills. That's just going to let them decide what they're going to do. Um, and I think that that is uh, a message that does fall sometimes. Uh, and and I don't think the. I think that the. The challenge is that it doesn't come from just one place, right? It just gets reinforced from different perspectives. Um, and then people think that they can all be, uh, you know, a, a high school dropout and become a millionaire. When in reality, there are very few of those. Yeah, that's right. One of the presidents said she could count those people on one hand, maybe maybe two, right? The Elon Musks and Bill Gates and so on and so on. But but the majority of us have to get an education and get a job. There's also this... Uh, this uh, um, thought that, you know, alternative credentialing might be the way to go, like go for stackable credentials. Um, you know, some institutions are really exploring the alternative credentials, or at least the credential stacking within degrees. What do you think about that? What do you think about alternative pathways and boot camps and credentials and the, the non-credit space? I, um, I've never noticed that those are real engines for enrollment growth. Um, I think that those are, at least in higher education, those are great add-ons um, because they can provide a student with that um, that hook that's going to say, "Wow, that is that is of interest to me." So, you know, in my previous, in our, in you know, if you have a program in in, in engineering, um, you know, being able to build a, a Baja car, right, that does a competition or build something for a competition. Like, you know, we do sometimes uh, in these con contests in physics uh, programs. Uh, those are the things that are going to grab, you know, males sometimes, um, if I can play gender roles here, um, uh, and say, boy, that's something I can get behind. It. If you just talk to them about physics as an abstract concept, it's going to be a lot more difficult. So right. for me, you know, for me, things such as, you know, uh, the coding boot camps, what they what those provide are short term short uh, term skills and competencies that are going to be good for the students and will help hook the students into the passion of the field, but really don't replace what a uh, a batch you know uh, a, a full degree uh, entails. So talk to me about the uh, the future a little bit of uh, Oneonta. What are your plans? What are your plans for the university? You're, you're coming up on your anniversary. Um, are you expanding to fifty thousand students? Are you going to buy ten buildings? Are you going to are you going to you know? Uh, but what are you going to do? What, what what's in your mind for what the future of the institution holds? Um, so uh, no, we are not going to go for that lazy river or that uh, extra. Oh, no. <laughs> you mean no. you mean you're going to put the money into student success and support <laughs> services? How dare you? 
No, what you know, I think that uh, one of the things that's uh, uh, that has amazed me, and again, and present company included, is that uh, we have so many alum that are have been, you know, very successful, um, coming from a traditional liberal arts background, right? So uh, I think that what we need to uh, grow here is our liberal arts programs, but making it a lot easier for students to un translate what they're learning in their sociology class, in their English class, in their history class, um, to uh, competencies, competencies and skills that they can use in the workforce. Um, I think if we can continue to do that, also by adding and strengthening experiential programs, such as undergraduate research internships, um, we can uh, maintain uh, a good group, a good number of undergraduate programs um, and be an engine for that growth. And on top of that, without a doubt, we need to make sure that we need to offset our losses in enrollment. Um, so we are working here to really bolster our professional, our graduate professional pro degrees. Um, we really look, hopefully, be able to build around education and business, um, and and with going with an online presence for those, because I think that's just a different, a different approach to access. Um, yeah. You know, more and more folks need graduate degrees in order to go up and move up in their current work, uh, work, you know, their current careers. So it is, and they can't go in a, in a, in a classroom and drive, you know, an hour here to Oneonta to, to sit in a classroom. So online grad professional graduate programs is another area we're going to, uh, look to grow, um, to help continue to, you know, make sure, ensure that this institution is here for another 130 some years. Wonderful. Would you believe it if I told you, Alberto, that my undergraduate degree was in, I got a BS in speech communications? I mean, you know, would you believe it? Uh, I, I, well, I'll tell you, you're like, well, I mean, you know, you're doing it's that work in, in, in media and speech, right? But uh, I guess one of your, uh, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know when he graduated. We have somebody from media that I just met. He's the plant manager at Chobani. Oh, really? Is, yeah. And That's cool. We, uh, 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 another one uh, that I met that, uh, well, um, who runs a major uh, transportation program uh, pro uh, company here in the region. So it's a, it's a well-suited and well-represented major. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, it's funny because I always say it has nothing to do with Oneonta, but I say I have a BS and BSing, right? So here I am on a podcast, speech communications, oh. using it. But, you know, I'm just you know, doing my thing, talking to people. Well, there's there's another one that's, uh, he's a vice president at Roku. And oh, wow. Nice. Well, I thought I was successful. I guess I'm going to take no, the back seat are. to those guys. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I you know, I, uh, I adored my time at SUNY Oneonta and it's, it's funny, uh, because I was a sophomore, um, and I had to pick a major. I was just doing all my general ed courses. My mom, I remember coming home. I tell this story actually in like my bio and I came home, um, and, uh, it was over a break and my mom says, you know, you have to pick a major. What are you interested in? And, uh, she reminds me that my response was absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> however, I, so I probably picked speech communications because I like to talk, you know, so I'm actualizing my, my thing. I, I got a minor in mass communications cause I wanted to work on ESPN as a sports broadcaster along with every other person in the world. Uh, but, uh, I get to fulfill my dream in a different way, which is to start this podcast with my co-founder, Elvin Freitas, uh, and interview amazing folks like yourself, Alberto doing amazing work. Uh, um, and, uh, if, if you couldn't tell again, I did graduate, uh, from the SUNY Oneonta. Right 
not that I, not that I want to say that any more than I already have. Of course, that I graduated from SUNY Oneonta, but um, I have a, a fond memories there, and uh, I'm glad that you're there doing the hard work because it is hard work to serve students and faculty and your staff and uh, maintain the uh, public profile and satisfy all different types of stakeholders. How do you, how do you feel about the role? Uh, are you enjoying yourself? Is it uh, taxing in different ways? Do you feel confident, passionate? Tell me, tell me how you're feeling about your time. I, I, right now, you know, I, I, it's, I'm really enjoying it because I, I, I enjoy the, the, size, the type of size that the Sponianta is as, as a city. And as a college, you know, you, it's big enough where you have a lot of diversity and and still small enough where you get to know the, the, the tremendous faculty and staff that work here. Um, so, you know, right now it's it's run really well. And and, uh, you know, one of the areas that I think um, is, is that I want to continue to to work on along with our provost um, is strengthening that capacity, right? And uh, along with our, all our vice presidents, but strengthening that capacity of our faculty and staff uh, around the importance of, you know, making sure that our pedagogy and our service uh, really respond to the needs of, um, of those incoming students. Um, and in a place like Oneonta, um, you can see that impact, right? Because you know, yeah. you're talking, you know, uh, 200 some odd tenure track faculty you know, you can have that impact uh, quickly um, compared to other bigger institutions where they're a behemoth and it's hard to make that change. You make uh, so, lifelong friendships too, and and you get uh, you stay in touch with people. It's a it's a powerful place. It, it and I'll tell you, I, I'm I am I never I, I don't know maybe I wasn't talking to the right alumni in my other institutions, but I've never spoken to so many alumni that described it that way, that their time here was, it was almost magical uh, to them. Um, and I know if it's mainly where it's located, that you're slightly isolated, that you're here in the middle of a valley in a small town, but uh, definitely it, it, it has created long lasting friendships. Well, I'll tell you what else is magical. That's you, uh, Dr. Alberto, Alberto Cardeje. I'll have to get it right in your last name. Um, I really am so glad that we were able to connect and have you come on um, because, uh, you know, highlighting your work uh, at, at Oneonta and, uh, do, and again, highlighting, not only highlighting the work, but highlighting the place that is Oneonta is important because I know it's one of those campuses when you get on it, um, if you get somebody there to tour the campus, they're not going anywhere else. Let's be honest. It's yep. stunning. It's beautiful. Um, and I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, last two questions for you, Alberto, and we'll do these in uh, rapid order. Number one, what did we not say about SUNY Oneonta? Anything at all that you want to say that we didn't bring up, anything of importance at all, you just take your two minutes and plug away. And then after that, tell me what you see as the future of higher education. <laughs> um, so, well, SUNY Oneonta is an institution that has redoubled its commitment to being a teaching institution. Uh, where students can uh, get to know their their faculty, get to know, work uh, very closely with staff, um, where we are working um, to provide students with hands-on experience. So we started an experiential learning center, and we want every single student that graduates from here to have some sort of high-impact practice or experiential learning, right? whether it be an internship, undergraduate research, a co-op, um, you know, an, uh, an, a clinical experience, whatever it may be, but something uh, that will allow them to, to, to apply what they've learned in the classroom in a real, real world setting. 
um, and that you know we this is a, an amazing place to come and learn uh, because um, the reality yeah. uh, it's a uh, it not only what, what amazing things happen in classroom but because of our relationships in the community students can have that hands-on and co-curricular experience um, the future of higher ed you know I think um, if you think about it you know higher ed has always been under uh, some sort of microscope, right? I right. think here, <laughs> I think here, the challenge is that now all of a sudden the demographics have caught up with us, right? Um, and I'm not sure how we get around the demographics without um, some um, efficiency cre being created in the system. And you know, I came from Massachusetts, and in five years, seven smaller institutions closed uh, while I was there. Um, and in Pennsylvania, where I was before, you've seen a consolidation of public institutions. Um, you know, I think that what we what uh, that is not that has to be a part of the future. That will be a part of the future. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but I think it will be. Um, and I think that really what's going to make a difference um, is the type of pedagogical experience that the students can 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 have. Um, if you know, if we have here the type of experience that uh, where students can connect. Can students can feel as if they learn in the classroom and then apply in the real world. Um, I think that uh, places like SUNY Oneonta um, is the perfect place for for many of our students to learn, right? Because they're they will be coming from smaller high schools. They will be coming from small uh, and instead of going to uh, institutions where they have to sit in a classroom with 300 or 400, they can come here and sit in a classroom of 30, 40 students, um, and that makes a difference. Um, for uh, for our type the student type of students who want to come to regional comprehensives, one hundred percent. That's how much we agree, uh, right. Alberto, about uh, everything that you've said. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it has been my honor to host my guest today. Here he is again. His name is Dr. Alberto Cardea, and he is president at SUNY Oneonta. Alberto, did you have a good ed up experience today on this podcast? I had a wonderful ed-up experience. Make well, thank sure you. I'll pay, I'll pay you for that later. Pay you for that okay. one later. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed-upped. Effective marketing for educational institutions requires a dedicated partner that understands the complex, constantly evolving digital landscape in which colleges, universities, and career schools compete. The ed-up experience podcast partner, Advanced 360 Education, is a data-focused digital marketing company with proven positive outcomes for educational institutions. Advanced 360 Education does not simply rely on instinct to make assumptions about audiences or key data points. Through data intelligence, client strategies take on a higher level of effectiveness, whether the goal is driving enrollment, alumni engagement, or other educational marketing campaigns. To learn more, visit a360education.com or call Anthony Espinoza at 310-704-5369. That's Anthony Espinoza, 310-704-5369, a360education.com.